You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. I am your host, Paul Buckner. Let's talk about de-escalation. First off, if you're around the world of law enforcement, um, you're probably familiar with the term. But just in case, de-escalation is the, the ability to take something that is escalating towards danger, often violence, and de-escalate it to actually just turn down the volume, decrease the potential for violence, and reestablish calm. So, what does that look like? Well, we've all seen the opposite of that, where people get angry. And they they get angry and it builds up road rage, and there's a lot of posturing, there's a lot of, of social violence posturing, or even a potential for social violence, shoving and different things like that. There's also the possibility of asocial violence, where somebody's like, I will just kill you. So, how do we how do we respond to that? And especially as a Christian, the Word of God tells us that a gentle answer turneth away wrath. And it also tells us not to befriend an ill-tempered man, someone who's angry, lest we learn their ways. And so de-escalation is something that, as a Christian chaplain, I'm all about, um, although there is a time for war. There is a time that you have to go hands-on. And so... De-escalation is the ability to take a situation that's escalating out of control and reestablish calm or try to. And so my first introduction to de-escalation formally was reading a book called Verbal Judo. And I think I've read that book four or five times, probably five times. And it's made some definite waves. The Verbal Judo training, the book has made some definite waves in the world of law enforcement. It's something that's not really taught to our military because you're you're not there for, as a policing force. You're there as um, you're there to uh, control an environment, uh, not to calm things down in an environment. And there are some police officers who, by nature, they um, their temperament is not to calm the situation down. And, and let's face it, there are people who either one got into law enforcement for the wrong reasons. Um, they got into it because they just want to fight all the time, or they got into it not to make a difference and not to help people, but they got into it to be a bully. And that happens. Um, I've met people like that. Um, I find them to be more of the exception to, than the rule, but um, you end up with those situations. So you've got the officer that is is coming to the scene, and they are the bane of the existence of the officers that are there to be peace officers. Um, I don't know how many times I've talked to police officers that are like, I had the situation calmed down. Everything was good. Uh, I had just given the guy a fist bump. Life was good. And, uh, you know, Officer McBackup shows up and gets out of his vehicle and literally, literally causes the situation to spiral out of control within a matter of moments. And now we're fighting a guy that moments before I had established a rapport with and we had calmed the situation down. And that's, that's ridiculous. And for no reason, you win 100% of the fights that you don't have to fight. And so all of that being what it is, um, you have those officers that their propensity is they're going to show up and, you know, they're there to kick butt and chew bubble gum and they're all, all out of bubble gum. Every officer that is listening to this is going to go, uh-huh. Yep, absolutely. Uh, they, they are familiar with that officer. They probably have been around an officer like that during their career. 
So de-escalation is the ability to win a fight before it happens. And um, I remember many, many years ago, I was at an event and a guy got drunk and he came up and I'm not a little guy. I'm, I'm six foot four, I'm 220 pounds. And uh, a lot of that is muscle of late, fortunately, because I, I was starting to get a little fluffy. But um, this guy was huge. And uh, he comes up to me and he says, now he's drunk. What would you say if I told you I was going to drag you outside and beat you until you cried like a little girl? I looked him down and up and said, pretty sure you could get the job done. Well, he claps me on the shoulder. I like you. And then laughs. Well, obviously he'd been bullied. Obviously he'd been beaten on. Come to find out it had been terrible, uh, his childhood. So I end up chatting with him. We go outside and sit down on the curb for two hours, probably right around the place that he thought he was going to hurt me uh, or was building himself up, whether it was, you know, social posturing or he literally intended to do it. But where law enforcement would have arrived and had to deal with the fight that would have gone outside, we were able to sit there and talk for a couple of hours about God and about a relationship with God. Um, uh, trust me, there's a place for violence. Um, sometimes it just has to happen. Bad guys don't like going to jail for bad things. And I don't know about you, but I don't want pedophiles and rapists and murderers roaming our streets at will. And so there's a place where when someone refuses and they don't care what you're doing, they're, they're not going to go to jail. That person, sometimes you have to lay hands on them. Sometimes they need to be tased. So the ability to de-escalate, though, that is an incredible tool in the tool belt. And people skills, the ability to talk to somebody is something that we will use. This is something that flows over into the private citizens world. Um, I have a background in church safety. I have a background in executive protection. And I can tell you from experience that those skills, being able to talk to people and build a rapport with people to de-escalate have saved me more problems than I can shake a stick at, literally. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times um, those skills have saved me a day in court or a hospital bill. And it also develops you a reputation. And by the way, the word of God says, blessed are the peacemakers. So let's get down to the meat and, and, and potatoes of this. De-escalation is an incredible tool. And uh, I have a saying that a taser is, is an excellent tool, but your mouth is a better tool. So I'm going to pause and sip my got your six coffee. So uh, one of the most powerful stories for me is I was riding with a young officer that had completed the verbal judo book. And I don't remember who turned who on to it, if he introduced me to it or vice versa. But we had both gone through it repeatedly and we we wrote a lot together and we talked about what we had definitely become disciples of the book Verbal Judo and what that looked like and, and deflecting away. And that's one of the things that I want to talk about is um, any type of a de-escalation training will teach you to deflect insults. And so we would kind of trade playful insults and figure out what deflecting that looked like and what it worked like. Well, one night, and this is small town America, um, he gets a call to a bad domestic in progress and it, it, we pull up and he has no backup and there's no backup available. There's no backup in his town and there's no mutual aid backup, which if you're unfamiliar with mutual aid, it means another town, another department, um, maybe, maybe a county sheriff's deputy or two shows up to back you. Ain't no such critter. You're on your own. And there's like eight or nine people here. So we get to this front yard and we pull up and there's uh, a couple that are in the middle of a divorce. 
And so this young police officer, as he gets there, he looks. And so there's the, the guy and the gal. And uh, then it's her folks and his folks are in the yard. And there's a lot of yelling going on. And you can tell it might be edging towards violence. It's definitely some posturing. And then there's a couple of guys there that are friends with, um, they are friends with the husband who's involved in this divorce. Uh, they're dressed to the nines. You can tell they've come back from, from some type of a nice job. And, um, but they are, but they are there and they have the hot blood of young men. And, uh, anybody who's been a young man has probably experienced that too much testosterone and not enough sense, probably nice guys, but just in that moment, blood's pumping, blood's boiling there, you know, heated moment. And so the officer, I'm like, Hey, do you want me out of the car? And he's like, yeah. I said, all right, I'll see what I can do. And it, it's going to be one riot, one ranger. You're it. So the, we're there. There's a lot of yelling. He steps over and starts talking to the girl's family and uh, we try to get him separated. And I start talking and I realize that on the guy's side of the family, that the mom, a nice lady, that she seems to be the hinchpin. And so I step over to her and I, I think I had known her sister. If I remember right, I'm trying to establish rapport. I'm trying to establish common ground. And so I step over there. And when I did, um, I said, I said, Hey, how's your sister doing? And I called her by name and she looked at me and I said, I used to work with her over at the such and such. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and uh, that place isn't even there anymore. And yeah. And I said, so help me out with what's going on here. Well, their marriage is ending and this, that, and the other. And there's a couple of appliances that, you know, my folks gave them to him to help them start their marriage. And since the marriage is ending, we want the appliances back. And I, I respect that. I respect the logic of it. I get it. And the girl's side of the family felt they should go with the girl. And I also understand that. And I'm, I'm the kind of person that if, if I give you something, it's yours. So I have helped people get any number of things. It's yours. Now, with very few exceptions, I'm like, you do what you want with it. There's a couple things I've given people where I'm like, this is yours forever. Please don't ever sell it. And there's specific reasons why. But I typically am like, hey, this is yours. If this helps you and later you can sell it, you don't need it, you can give it away, do that. I don't want you to just have to throw this in a drawer. If you want to cherish it forever, cherish it forever. But I'm not that sentimental and I don't demand it from other people. And so um, I can understand both sides of it. And I realized this is escalating. Literally, the yelling is going back and forth. And it almost, it reminded me of like a, one of those wrestling shows with some of the, the calling back and forth. And this is just the human condition. These are good people day to day, but their blood's up and they hurt and they're hurting for their children. Their children are going through a divorce and the people on the other side of the argument are the de facto enemy right now. Um, I've been there. It's not any fun and it's hard to think logically. So I turned to the lady and I said, Hey, I said, what's up with the geek squad over here? These guys that were dressed to the nines that were off to the side. And I could tell if it goes to blows, these two guys are going to be involved in it. And, you know, young, hot blood and uh, that male thing, that not enough sense thing going on that we all, uh, we, most of us guys have when we're young. And she's like, oh, they're friends of my sons. And she turns around and she's like, you boys can go. And they're like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, you boys can go. Well, what did we just do? They leave. We've just taken two pieces off the board. So if we're playing chess, we've just captured two pieces without having to do a thing. 
and they just went poof poof off the board and the, that is one of the things about being able to de-escalate is if numerically we were outnumbered significantly and I don't carry a commission I mean now I will fight to protect the officer uh, I might have been fighting to protect myself at that point if it had really come to it and when you're trying to get between people and, and keep the peace only so much one taser can do so now we've taken two pieces off the board and we're down to about six people and I said so so um I said you know I'm pray, praying, and, and I give God a lot of glory on this. Um, I give God all the glory, all the credit for this, because the the concepts I was learning of de-escalation were solidifying into, into some really good knowledge. And um, I had a baptism of fire, let me tell you, because I, I had role-played a little bit of this, just tried driving around in a cruiser, but I'd never done anything hands-on. And in a minute, I'm going to talk about the power of hands-on training. And um, so here I am in that moment, trying to figure out how to diffuse this. And I, and it dawned on me and I'm going to give God the credit for this. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, don't you feel like a lot of times in moments like these that we hurt for our children, at least as much as, as they are hurting right now. Coffee sip break. Uh, I love that cup of Joe. So, uh, she's like, yeah, absolutely. And I know I've established a rapport with her at this point and, and the officer's over there and he's doing his best to calm down the situation and he's deploying and employing his verbal judo skills. So I said, uh, I said, I, I want to ask you a question. And I said, you tell me, you can tell me to go fly a kite. You can tell me to go jump off a bridge. And she's like, well, no, you're, you're, I mean, I mean, what? And I said, you know, if it brings your son just a little bit of peace right now, because he's going through a lot right now, I've been through a divorce and they are terrible. And she's like, I have too. They are so awful. I just hurt for him so much right now. And I could tell she was listening. She was actively listening to what I was going to say next because she wanted a resolution and she wanted a peaceful resolution. She's a good person. She's just in a bad circumstance. And I realized she was a hingement for this thing. She, she could pivot the whole situation positively or negatively. Because think about it as guys, we're wired that you don't hurt my mom. You don't mouth off to my mom. You don't, you know, you, you know, you, you don't mouth off to my wife. You don't threaten my wife. One of the, some of the maddest times I've ever been in my life has been when somebody has threatened a female family member of mine and you want to go Hulk smash on them. So. I said, you know, if it brings him just a little bit of peace right now, uh, might it be worth it to let the appliances go? Smart lady. She stood there and she's like, you're right. And then she's like, um, she's like, honey, let's just let it, let's just let it go. That's fine. Let's just let it go. And you realize within moments that the son was much less interested in the appliances than he was his mom. And so instantly the whole situation diffuses. And again, I want to iterate, these are good people. This is just a bad moment. And the dust settles. And so afterwards, there's handshaking going on, the officer and I get back in the vehicle, and we just did this data dump about what we had employed in that conversation. And it was this really incredible moment. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the fathers actually went to the police department the next day and gave a compliment to uh, the police officer that I was riding with and said, hey, I was probably the, the strongest candidate there to get tased. And this officer, for his age, handled this incredibly well. And I don't think the officer would have been over 23, 24 at the time. That is the power of being able to de-escalate. And really, verbal judo is a good concept. And, and it, I, a lot of what I've been around that has been academic. It's been on paper, audio books, um, classroom type training. 
I want to talk in a minute about what I feel like is the next evolution, the next iteration of that, which is hands-on, and which will actually bring me to our sponsor break. And then I'll tell you another story where uh, in, in my church safety background, I was able to de-escalate a very dangerous situation uh, just by talking. And so uh, first off, uh, because I am talking about de-escalation, I'm going to talk about John Lee O'Reilly with Gentle Response. You need to check him out on social media. He gives away these gold nuggets all the time. John Lee O'Reilly, Gentle Response. You can find him on Facebook. He's got an Instagram. He's on YouTube. This guy, uh, have instructor, will travel. He, he travels around, works with in the law enforcement world, works in churches, and has a background in law enforcement, has done this for years. And he, uh, he trains constantly with his firearms, but he keeps his verbal skills, his de-escalation skills on point. So John Lee O'Reilly, gentle response, kind of, kind of important to what we're talking about today. There's a reason that I sought John out as a sponsor to my podcast is because I am such a huge believer in the power of de-escalation. Uh, secondly, we have Got Your Six Coffee, my favorite coffee on the planet. It is not only award-winning, it is not only American-made, it is not only in the American Midwest. Uh, they do not only sell online, but they give away, after what it costs to survive, they give away the net profits from their coffee to law enforcement, EMT, paramedic, firefighter, and veteran causes, and I am all about that. Uh, thirdly, Matt Combs, Shield Force International, uh, he teaches all kinds of things. Police officer has run with tier one boys. He's, he's really, really an incredible guy has done a background in executive protection and has done everything from protecting folks who are, um, who are some type of a dignitary or a little, or a little starlet, uh, all the way over to some pretty high speed law enforcement things. And, I have trained with him extensively. Cannot recommend him enough. Find him on social media. Find him on YouTube. Matt Combs, Shield Force International. So I'm going to sip this coffee and we're going to talk more about de-escalation. So de-escalation. The power to literally turn a situation from bad to good, like flipping a switch, by finding the right by finding the right words, by finding the right body language, by finding the right posturing. And one of the things that really took me to the next level, and I've not done the formal training yet with John Lee O'Reilly, we've just had a series of conversations and I've, I've really fallen in love with the way he approaches this because imagine if somebody said, well, we're gonna sit down today and we're gonna talk about driving a car, but we're not gonna drive the car. Here's the steering wheel, here's the brake, you know, here's the gas pedal. This is a standard, here's the shifter, here's the clutch. Uh, here's the seatbelt, but we're not going to drive it. Or imagine if someone turns to you and says, um, you know, here's, here's the firearm. This is where the magazine release is. This is where the slide release is. Um, these are cartridges. This is the bullet part. Here's the primer, but we're not going to actually go shoot it. We're not going to handle it. Um, you need to do hands-on training with de-escalation. And that is one of the amazing things that John Lee O'Reilly with General Response provides. Because I can tell you, I got a baptism of fire. I didn't get to do the de-escalation training. And I'm seeing it invade martial arts. I'm seeing it invade um, any kind of hand-to-hand -hand training, um, knife defense training that I that I took with Matt Combs with Shield Force. Um, we were talking about things like this. In the executive protection world, it is incredibly useful to be able to de-escalate a situation because you you want to leave a zero footprint. You, you, you want to be there and gone with executive protection. 
So the ability to do a hands-on training was something that I didn't get. And I was given this baptism of fire and just sort of shoved into situations. So now I want to talk about an experience I had in the church safety world. And some of you will know me as one of the co-hosts of the Church Safety Guys. Um, you will find us on Facebook. Um, we are on the gram and uh, on YouTube. We actually have a podcast on YouTube called the Church Safety Guys. We are on Facebook uh, in a group called Church Safety and Security. And um, I have a background of better than 10 years as a chaplain, better than 10 years as uh, a church safety team leader. And uh, in my new church, I'm actually part of a growing church safety team. But church safety has a lot of the same aspects, except we don't carry a commission. So we, we need to be able to de-escalate situations. So I had a situation one Sunday, we had a gentleman who had come to our church and uh, he was uh, off his medication and he was talking about taking his own life. And I looked at the situation. He was nonviolent. He was not violent. Um, I stepped into the Bible study and just kind of off to the side and listened. And he had talked in the classroom several times about how he just wanted to die. He just wanted to kill himself. So I called the officer that was on duty for our town. It's small town America. One officer, one riot, one ranger. He's like, I know him. He said he's about about every week, about every two weeks, he gets back off his medication. I have to 96 him, which in, in Missouri is involuntarily committing somebody. And good-sized kid, nice enough guy. And um, so what ends up happening is he's sitting in this Bible study and I'm listening and I did not see a reason to disturb the Bible study. They were actually talking to him. They were actually witnessing to him. Now you have to understand my Christian background. He wasn't an active danger to himself at that moment. So I listened. I had one of my guys in the classroom actively watching and he was to get me there in case something happened. And trust me, I was close. I talked to the officer and he said, how do you want me to play this? How do you want me to handle this? And I said, I really don't want to interrupt the Bible study. And he said, I, and he's a believer. And he said, I thought so too. And I said, I really would like him to be here for church. Um, if something changes, I'll let you know. So he's there. I get to chat up, chat him up between services. I get him warm fuzzy. He's definitely troubled, but he's, he's very much interested in the Lord. And he's not at that moment an active threat to himself. So he goes into our church service and gets to hear the whole the whole sermon and everything. And then on the way out the door, he'd been staying with a local couple. And this young man had some emotional troubles and they were taking advantage of him. And unfortunately, the guy that was taking advantage of him had some difficulties of his own and kind of got away with some stuff. But he was actively taking this young man's social security check, having him sign it over, and then basically treating him like a prisoner. You go over there, you sleep in that, you sleep in that room, and your your rent is 90% of your social security. That's not fair. And um, they were taking advantage of him. Very bad situation. Well, his brother shows up and his brother's a big, big boy and he's mad. Um, so we have an escalating situation. And for one guy, the guy who is the victimizer, it's kind of a social thing. It's social violence. You know, he's posturing and he's not a huge guy. He's got a little bit of little man syndrome. And he thinks he's tough. And I'm, I'm thinking, son, two of you aren't big enough to tear that boy's picture in half. Coffee sip break. So I'm out here and I'm, I am thinking we've got a real problem. And uh, so I get out there and I introduce myself. I come up very quickly and there is a gal standing there. She's wearing a uniform and... Um, not like a police uniform, but a uniform from a company she works for. And uh, I said, hey, my name is Paul. I'm in charge of security here at the church. She's like, oh, hi, I'm whatever her name was. 
And uh, she said, I said, what's going on? And she's like, this is my boyfriend and, and that's his brother. I said, oh, okay. We know, we know his brother. His brother's the one that's troubled, that's thinking about killing himself. That's, you know, quasi suicidal. And I said, okay. And she said, we're here to get him. He keeps getting off his medication. I'm thinking, awesome. She said, if, if he lives with us, he stays on his medication. I said, praise God, this is a great solution. I said, honestly, we actually have an officer that was, that was positioning himself to come. He was going to have to, to arrest, you know, your, your boyfriend's brother. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, it doesn't last. And I said, no, it's not a long-term solution. She said, we can be a long-term solution and we're going to take him in. She said, I'm a nurse. I said, wow, that's incredible. My wife's a nurse. Well, what did we just do? We just established a rapport. Well, her boyfriend is mad. And I'm thinking, I really don't want to have to go hands-on with this guy. And, and here we are on a church. There's all kinds of liabilities. I don't carry a commission. And I had a couple of my guys watching over the situation, but I need to de-escalate this situation. And you talk about a baptism of fire. I didn't have the, the hands-on training that you can get with somebody like John Lee O'Reilly. And so I'm thinking fast and I give God the glory for this because I'm prayerfully thinking, I'm praying, going, Lord, help me, give me the words. I'd like to phone a friend and uh, I'm trying to get these answers. And the boyfriend sees me talking to his girlfriend and he comes over and you could tell he was like, why are you talking to my girlfriend? And his blood's up. And I said, hey, my name is Paul. I'm in charge of security here at the church. Now that puts, that puts me in an excellent position, right? Because oh, this guy might have some skills. Oh, this guy might be armed. Oh, this guy could, could have me arrested. Oh, this guy could have me, you know, kicked off the property. And I, and I shook his hand and I said, I said, how cool is it? And she had told me what he does for a living. And he had a background in technology. And I said, how cool is this? My wife's a nurse. So I've established the fact that I'm married. I'm no threat to his relationship with his girlfriend. And I said, and his blood's up. So you're not thinking the way you need to think when your blood's up. And I said, and, and I'm an IT guy. I said, how cool is that? And he's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, hey, cool. And I can see him starting to realize this guy's not a threat to me directly with my girl. And then I said, so, so help me out here. What's going on with your brother? And she had kind of, she'd kind of given me the 411. And I, and so she's, she's related it to me. Now he gets to relate it to me. And then I know the other guy, he's a, he was a local problem and definitely law enforcement was tired of him. He they were always getting calls on this guy the victimizer and the victimizers escalating it. And the brother is going to clobber him. I mean, it's going to be one, one punch, knockout, spin him around, head cracks the pavement. It's not going to be pretty. And I, and I said, I tell you what, I said, do you mind if I talk to him real quick and see if I can get this handled so that, so that we don't have to get law enforcement involved. And he's like, please, I just want my brother and I want my, I want his stuff. And so I go over to this guy and he's like, they're not setting foot on my property. And he's not coming back. And he points to the guy he's been victimizing. He's like, he's not coming back in my house. And I said, okay, you need to understand Missouri law. Now, as of the time of recording this in August of 2020, if somebody spends the night at your house and leaves stuff in your house, they technically live there and they can go back into that house and get their stuff. You can't keep their stuff. And so I said, so the fastest way for you to end up in handcuffs is to deny this guy the ability to get his stuff out of your house. And the guy's like, oh. And I said, we want to avoid that, right? I, and he's like, well, I mean, I said, listen, listen, the cops already don't like you. And he kind of made, he kind of looked at me and his eyes kind of got big. And I said, you, you caused them a lot of grief. How many times a week are the cops at your house? And he's like, well, a lot. And I said, okay, so here's the thing. Let's go get your, your friend's stuff out of the house. And I said, then we don't have to involve the police. And I said, I will, I will stand there in the street 
Um, I said, I'll, I'll have law enforcement come out and they will, they will be across the street. I will stand there in the street and I will be a witness. And I said, and if, and if he decides to hit you and I pointed to the boyfriend, I said, uh, then I'm a witness for you. And I said, but if you decide to hit him, if you decide to escalate things, then I'm a witness for him and I'm a good witness. And he's like, well, okay. And I said, all right, well, why don't you head back to your house? I'm going to get them some food. We had a food pantry at our church. I said, I'm going to get them, them some food and stuff for the, for the brother. And I said, I will see you a few minutes from now at the house. And so it gives everybody time for their blood to cool a little. And so I, I turned to them, uh, uh, the couple and, and the brother that was troubled. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, you probably eat quite a bit, don't you? And the, and the kid that had some emotional problems and struggles, he's like, yeah, I do. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I said, while they're headed back to the house, cause they were walking, uh, the victimizer group were, were walking back to their house. I said, why don't we, why don't we step over here to the food pantry? I would love to bless you and, and, and your family here with some food. And I said, I know you're taking on a, a lot of, a lot right here, and maybe this will help put a dent in it. So we filled the back of their vehicle with food. The girlfriend was just floored. And she said, how, how do you guys do this? And we explained how we did it and why we did it. And she said, Hey, I am going to be back in town. I have a bunch of shampoo and soaps and different things. She said, I'm a couponer and I get these things for free can I leave you guys some stuff? And I said, yeah, here, there's a door right over here. This, this spot right here is where we accept donations. And she's like, oh, fantastic. That's awesome. So I call my, my friend in law enforcement. He's like, well, well, Paul, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm at a, and it was a bad situation. And he said, and I'm completely involved in this. I can't leave. And I said, well, it is what it is, brother. I said, I will go and stand in the street and hopefully we don't have to call 911. So I get over and, and drive over to that house and God is so good. I get there and directly across the street in this, in this housing area is my friend dealing with another situation. And I mean, directly the house exactly opposite this house is where my friend is. And he looks over and nods and smiles at me. And he, and it was a God moment. It was one of those things where we were like, wow, that's cool. And so the victimizer did some posturing, social violence the, the, the boyfriend, the brother of the victim, he's not going to be doing social violence. It's going to be more asocial. It's going to be, well, and maybe not, maybe not take you off the map, you know, maybe not kill you, but beat you severely. Um, I would say it would, his, his would be a whole lot less social violence. And this other guy's posturing with him. And I'm thinking, Bubba, you need, you need to cool your jets, your body, your, your mouth is writing checks that your body can't cash coffee's at break. So, um, I'm standing out there in the, in the street and the guy mouths off and he goes, he goes, this guy can go in and get his stuff out of the house, but you, and he points at the victim's boyfriend and, and the girlfriend and, or the victim's boyfriend, the victim's brother and, and uh, the, the brother's girlfriend and says, um, he says, you, uh, you don't set foot on my property or I'll have you arrested for trespassing. And I said, that's fine. I said, that's fine. But understand if this gets stupid and the county sheriff's deputies get here because they're going to be the ones that get called mutual aid, they don't like you. And unfortunately, this guy had caused so many problems that that's where we were going to end up. And the guy's like, you could just see he's like, yeah, you're right. That's true. And so he, he kind of simmers a little bit. We got everything loaded up and nobody had to get hurt. And so it was one of those things where it was touchy. It could have been horrible. I could have had a guy getting his brains beat out on the driveway at my church. 
and it probably would have escalated completely out of control had it not been for the fact that that police officer was across the street. There is a place and a presence for law enforcement. I'm not going to ever take away from that. But we were able to de-escalate this situation, and the family thanked me. Well, praise God for de-escalation training. Praise God for a servant's heart. Um, praise God for peace, you know, coming over that. I can't imagine how I would have got those two apart, me by myself, because the brother of the victim was huge and mad, looked like he had a fighting background, and I would have been dealing with three males and a female by myself in my church parking lot, maybe with the backup of a couple of my guys, and that would have been a mess. So to me, these are a couple of stories that I that I bring up when I talk about the power of de-escalation. And that's where I encourage people. Now, if you are blue family and you're listening to this, uh, the ability to de-escalate a situation is huge. It's valuable at work. It's valuable at home for cooler heads to prevail, to not let uh, that shot of adrenaline that shoots through you cause you to make a mistake. That was something John Leo Riley and I talked about the other day on the social medias. Um, that's very powerful. And I'm going to have John on here for an interview, John Leo Riley with General Response. I'm going to have him on here for an interview. I, I fully intend to interview all three of my sponsors because they are all doing something to make the world a better place for our police officers. So guys and gals, I'm going to pray us out and I will see you for our next episode. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to train. I thank you for de-escalation training. I thank you for our police officers, the men and women that put on a badge, a uniform every day and go out to protect us in this nation. And I ask that you would protect them supernaturally. All of the officers that are hearing my voice, that you would protect them, Lord God, supernaturally with um, just command your angels concerning them, Lord God. Your word says that they would not dash their foot against a stone or in, or in a modern way of putting it, that they wouldn't even stub their toe. And uh, I thank you for that level of protection. I thank you for providing it for our police officers. And I ask that you would literally bend the bullets around them as they do their jobs. If someone intends to harm them, uh, that you would literally protect them to that level and cause the bad guy to stumble, to, to uh, make themselves uh, visible to the officers. If it's an ambush or whatever it is that they're trying to do against these officers, that it would come to naught. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to our nation's officers and to the patriotic Americans that love this nation. And uh, I thank you for that opportunity, Lord God, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So if this podcast has meant something to you, if it has resonated with you, please, please share this. Share this with a police officer. Share this with a blue family friend. Share this with other, with other patriotic Americans. I want to reach Americans who know that we need to keep good cops behind badges. So guys, it has been a longer podcast than normal, and I apologize. I will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there, and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.